The Final Edition Radio Hour is a work of satire intended for people who own books, gentrify neighborhoods, and say they like kale. Please consume responsibly the satire, that is. I'm Tony Hedron. And I'm Jeff Chrysler. And this is the Final Edition Radio Hour. Tony, congratulations! For, for what? For the Oscars, your big win! What are you talking about? Didn't you win an Academy Award for your role as the bear in The Revenant? Yeah, what? No, that wasn't me. A, I didn't play the bear, and B, I wouldn't do anything to kowtow to those old, white, male, mostly Jewish Hollywood insiders. Okay, fine, 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 Tony. I could have sworn it was you. Well, then, um, congratulations! For what now? For the primaries, your big win! What are you talking about now? Didn't you win South Carolina, the primary there, and the Nevada caucus this week? No, that wasn't me. I mean, I have... I, 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 I'm not Donald Trump. I, I have incredibly beautiful blonde hair, much more beautiful than his. Okay, not okay, okay, fine, I fine, but, fine. I could have sworn it was you. Never mind. Then. Um, I mean, what do you? How can you possibly associate me with these vile GOP thugs? I mean, because it's I just, hung out with you, Tony. Anyway, how about um? Congratulations. Okay, for what? Antonin Scalia is still dead. Oh, that I did do. Good. And this, and this is the, the final, final edition, edition radio, radio hour. We take you now to Hillary Clinton's headquarters, according to my Facebook feed. Oh, there you are, Mrs. Clinton. Sorry I'm late. I was just voting to approve the invasion of Iraq, just like I've done every day since 2003. It's the only thing I've ever done in my life, you know. Yes, but now it's time to bathe in a big tub of money. Ah, of course. It's the only way to get clean. First, we're going to unchain the door and let in the bankers. Oh, yes. Yes, my darlings. Worship me. I am a generous god. Meanwhile, in Bernie Sanders' headquarters, according to my Facebook feed... Mr. President, wake up. You've already won the election and it's your ninth day in office. Sorry. I guess I nodded off. I am exhausted because the Republican Congress adopted Norway's entire system of government. And they're taxing everyone at 90%. Just like I asked. Vladimir Putin has invaded Chicago. That is interesting, but irrelevant. And literally every company in America has gone out of business. Perfect. That frees people up to make tie-dyed shirts. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must keep trying to find Afghanistan on a map which I am still unable to do. Meanwhile, in Trump's headquarters, according to my Facebook feed... I must call Hillary Clinton, with whom I've been secretly plotting for years. Yes, sir. And you're having sex with your daughter at 3 o'clock. Oh, thank God you reminded me. And Ted Cruz's headquarters... Torturing dogs no longer gives me an erection. I must move up to larger animals. Okay, that last one's real. <laughs> Facebook has added to its like button with five additional emojis for love, laughter, anger, surprise, and sadness. The final edition asks the man on the street, what do you think? I like it. I love it. I'm surprised. I'm angry. Hulk status. Always angry. I come from a good Protestant background. You 
never show your emojis. My favorite actress was Imogene Coco. I'm waiting for the ambivalence emoji. Is the goal to eventually not use language? I think they ought to have an emoji for that look your dog gives you when he catches you masturbating. If it's not surprise, what is it? Ruh -ruh. How do I click that I like someone but I'm not in like with them? My grandma showed me her emotive vag. Well, of course I hit the vag button. It was his graduation photo. Get ready for me to hate some sunglasses. <laughs> oh, you like it, but you won't love it. I see how you're gonna... No, it's but, okay. Uh, no, I like your love emoji. I love your like emoji. Your anger emoji makes me sad. I like the emojis because it's a new way for me not to talk to my kids. Every year, the members of the Academy honor the people who make movie magic in front of the scenes and behind them. We join the Academy as superstar Vin Diesel reveals the Oscar for Best Intern in a Feature-Length Movie. And the Oscar for Best Intern goes to... Seth Littlegat. Little Gate. Little Gate. You know, uh, there were a lot of great nominees in this category. You know, shoulders of giants. You know, you guys, it, it's a real honor. Um, uh, Julia, uh, um, Paul, Paul, and uh, th th that girl from uh, Smith with, with the nose ring. Uh, uh, Dave, Dave. Oh, and uh, other Dave. Oh, uh, guy with the bags. Uh, I respect that man. You do you. Wow! <laughs> this is so overwhelming! Oh, gosh, uh, you know, I, I want to say thank you to my parents for uh, believing in me, uh, for believing in my dreams, uh, for being uh, rich enough to pay my rent so I could work this job all summer for free. <laughs> oh, okay, I see the light flashing. I, I gotta wrap this thing up, but mm, I have one thing to say, and it's one really, really important thing to say. Follow your dreams! Never give up! It, it, it took me 35 years! But here I am! Best intern! Thank you all! Thank you! Thank you! And now, the final edition presents headlines from the New York Times, rewritten for BuzzFeed. Credit Suisse posts fourth quarter earnings, and the internet loses its mind. Justice Antonin Scalia does not look like this anymore. Officials in Brazil worry about Zika outbreak. Aww, and it's adorable. Market volatility surges, and what the Federal Reserve does next will make you smile. North Korean military did what? 
This has been Headlines from the New York Times, rewritten for BuzzFeed. And now, a word from our sponsors. Home on the range, double bourbon, straight up, monster trucks, cheerleaders, why Jesus, game night with the family, spicy wings and powders, whatever the opposite of socialism is, shooting stuff, America! America, I'm Hillary Clinton and I approve this message. Do you love small batch pickled mushrooms and socially responsible upcycle typewriters? Then you're going to love Davis and Cousin and Cousin. Bushwick's latest small batch pickled mushroom and socially responsible upcycle typewriter pop-up. I'm Davis. And I'm her cousin. She really is my cousin. You might remember us from Davis and Cousin, our organic fire escape grown cauliflower window box, the table restaurant and watery. Well, we're not going to let a little lead poisoning hold us back. So, we're here with my cousin. I really am her cousin. But not my cousin. Because that's how cousins work. Exactly. And together, we started Davis and Cousin and Cousins Small Batch Pickled Mushroom and Socially Responsible Upcycle Typewriter Pop-Up. Our authentic vintage basement pop-up space has many original features like creme molding, exposed brickwork, a Ukrainian couple who've been squatting here since 1978, Davis and Cousin and Cousin. Our antique mason jars are reclaimed from a 1930s TB clinic specimen lab. Our aromatics are hand-forged from the banks of the Gowanus Canal. Davis and Cousin and Cousin. Our storyteller is also our mixologist. Our socially responsible upcycled typewriters are lubricated with organic human earwax. They're all designed to be portable for when you want to type on the subway. And they all come with a free haiku. The day out stretches wide, a wilderness of hollow dreams crushed beneath the plow beautiful davis and cousin and cousin we don't accept credit cards but we do accept original stardust era bowie records davis and cousin and cousin join us at bushwick's latest small batch pickled mushroom and socially responsible upcycle typewriter pop-up if you want whatever what she said The final edition radio hour will be right back, just like your cancer. Welcome back to the final edition radio humpback. What's new in the Magic Kingdom? Cheaper IT workers, that's what. We brought them from overseas. Yup. Disney laid off all the old IT workers, but not before forcing them to train their own replacements. It's like making the old workers dig their own graves. It sure was funny, all right. And heck, I bet we forced the cheap foreign workers to train even cheaper foreign workers from somewhere else. And so on. Until they're virtually slaves. We prefer to call them interns. Yup, yup. We hold all the cards, all right. Don't you think so, Donald? <laughs> On an unrelated note, Goofy, Donald, and I have been watching the election. Why are voters so angry? Yeah, buck up. You live in the land of the free. <laughs> <laughs>
The following sketch takes place in the year 2020 and has been translated from Mandarin. Good afternoon, and thank you for calling Pacific Sun Cable. My name is Wang Li Hom. How may I provide you with excellent customer service today? Come on, that's not really your name. By the many steps of the Great Wall, I swear it's my name. Okay, fine, whatever. Look, I've been sitting on hold for like 45 minutes, and I just want this taken care of. I am deeply shamed by the length of time you had to wait. My apologies are as profuse and varied as the lotus blossoms in the Dragon King's cave. Will you stop pretending you're Chinese? You have an American accent. Am I calling the U.S.? Where are you, like Kansas, Ohio? Uh, Pacific Sun policy forbids me from discussing my location. I could lose half a day's pay. Yeah, big deal. What's that, like $2? And they'll take away my afternoon bathroom break. Oh, well, that's globalization for you. Isn't that what you Americans always used to say? Can I try guessing where you are? If you desire to throw jade into a pond, I cannot protect your rice. Will you cut that out? Nobody talks like that. You sound like an old kung fu movie. Sorry. There's only one TV in my village, and that's all we get. You're kidding. You don't get That's My Chairman or People's Party People? No. We use our satellite dish to collect water. Oh, man. You guys have it rough. Well, since King Jeb took the throne and cut all government services to fund the wars, things have pretty much gone to hell around here. But I'm one of the lucky ones. I've got a nice big SUV that me and my family can live in, and my oldest boy's going off to college in Beijing next year. Another one? I swear, soon the American kids at our universities are going to outnumber the Chinese kids, especially in liberal arts and phys ed. How come he didn't get sent to Iraq or Iran or Afghanistan or Syria or North Korea or France? Oh, we cut off his pinky toes when he was born. And we raised him gay. Good for you. You know, we've got more and more of you guys coming over here, chasing the Chinese dream. There's even an American town right off the freeway. We like to go there on the 4th of July, eat hot dogs, and watch the Americans celebrate. Kids get such a kick out of it. Oh, that's so orientalized. you got to come to the States for the 4th and see the real thing. I'd love to, but the uh, wife doesn't like going to first world countries. All that poverty and filth. No offense. Eh, none taken. Now, what can I help you with today? Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, talking to somebody halfway around the world to get help with my cable service. Well, they're not going to hire Chinese workers when they can get Americans to do the job for a fraction of the cost. Oh, man, what time is it anyway? It must be like the middle of the night. It's 3 a.m. Wow. When you're competing in the global market, the fish head goes to the swiftest cat. Sorry, force of habit. Yeah, don't worry about it. Anyway, your Mandarin's much better than my English. Well, it's not like you need to speak English anymore. Most of the world's population speaks Chinese. Hey, most of the world's population is Chinese. <laughs> Good one. Uh, okay, anyway, uh, I had a question about my bill. Oh, this is tech support. If you have an issue with your bill, I'll need to transfer you to billing. You're kidding. We stay on the line, and someone in our billing department will be glad to help you resolve your issue. Thank you for calling Pacific Sun Cable, and have a great day. Good afternoon, and thank you for calling Pacific Sun Cable. My name is Luo Shishuang. How may I provide you with excellent customer service today? And now, a wonderful new Oscar category, Best Natural Light. The nominees are The Revenant, The Revenant, The Revenant, Le Revenant, Il Revenante, and the winner is The Revenant. Let's give a big hand for the natural light of The Revenant. 
all you want. I'm natural light, and you can't see a fucking thing. That's the way God made me. Made me before all things, including you narcissistic losers. <laughs> okay. First of all, I want to thank the God of the Torah for this Oscar. Don't you mean the God of the Bible? No. And of course, I want to thank Leo for giving me this awesome opportunity to strut my stuff. I love you, Leo. Never forget, folks. Natural Light loves Leo. Fuck Thomas Edison. Good night. Thank you. Thanks. Good night. Saying that he's thankful to have more time to devote to his plan of going back in time in a time machine to kill baby Hitler, Jeb Bush has left the Republican presidential race. The final edition Radio Hour looks back at some of his best moments. I said if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you? I need to know. And hell yeah, I would. <laughs> Even if he was really cute. No, look, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta step up, man. I mean, that's. That would be key. Problem with going back in history and doing that is, as we know from the uh, series, what was the name of the Michael Fox movies? Back to the Future. Back to the Future. It has a it could have a dangerous effect on on everything There's else. A lot so. to consider in this. But I'd do it. I mean, okay. Hitler. Jeb Bush's best moments here on the Final Edition Radio Hour. Sovereign citizens. Uh, hello, this is the first communication from Liberty Militia here in River Park, Oregon. We are two sovereign citizens and we moved to this town in central Oregon because we believe that River Park can and should secede from the United States. You're about to see something historic. This is history. I think this is the first time a patriot sovereign citizen has talked to an elected American mayor about seceding from the Union. That has never happened. And you're watching it live because you know the media is just going to twist it around. This is the real deal here. This is the horse's mouth. We sacrificed a lot to be here. A lot of people don't appreciate that. That's true. We, we had to leave our loved ones behind because of the danger involved. Well, they could come with us. They still could come out. Yeah, I mean, we're doing this for everybody. They could come here if they want. Susan, if you're out there, I still got email. The main thing is, our message is you don't have to recognize the authority of the United States government. You don't have to recognize any government. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't have to straighten out your health coverage or get your car out of impound or or go to divorce court or pay taxes or parking tickets you didn't agree to any of that i have 2.7 million dollars in parking fines but you know what they'll have to kill me well we don't actually want to be killed i'm ready for it i don't mind i've been thinking about this for a long time uh so we're gonna we're gonna call the mayor now uh the mayor of river park this is her number I uh, can't release it to the public at this time. I got it from an information service that I'm not going to divulge just yet. But I'm going to put her on speakerphone. Okay, it's ringing. It's ringing again. This is the main number for the office of the mayor of River Park. Okay, we got voicemail. You know the extension of your party you're trying to reach. Uh, I you may think enter it just... now. 
Otherwise, please stay on the line. Uh, I think we're just supposed to stay on the line. Your call is important to us. Uh, They're saying our call is important. Uh, They're expecting this call. I I hope they can't trace the number. You have $2.7 million in parking tickets? Yeah, but it's not my government. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, but... Like how did how did you do that? Why are you making this about me? I'm not. It's just that that's you know a lot. Where'd the CIA train you? Oh, geez. don't do this, Jerry. Hello. Oh, uh, hi. Uh, we have a, a phone appointment at two o'clock with the mayor. Uh, we talked to Alan. This is Alan. Oh, good. Hey, Alan. Uh, this is Liberty Militia of River Park. Uh, we made an appointment. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ron. Um, the mayor is just getting off another call. Uh, she's on her way over. Oh, uh, thanks, Alan. Uh, he says she's uh, on her way over. This is Mayor Winslow. How can I help you today? Oh, hi. Uh, Mayor Winslow, this is Ron Maywood from the Liberty Militia. Uh, we're here to liberate your town uh-huh. uh, from the U.S. government, and I feel you have the right to know your basic principles, uh, our ancient principles, which are the Ten Commandments and common law. Uh, this runs counter to the United States government, which has passed laws in defiance of natural rights. Okay. Uh, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who declared that a people should revolt against their government every 20 years. It was for this reason, to break the shackles of taxation and perverted tyranny, that the founding fathers fought and perished in the great upheaval of 1776. Uh-huh. In short... The right of man is the right of secession. I hope that I may count on your cooperation in this endeavor. Okay, well, uh, that's fine. Couple things. If you don't pay your taxes, I can't guarantee that you won't be prosecuted under federal law. I don't have authority over that. I understand. And as mayor, I have sworn to uphold the law and the U.S. Constitution. I actually had to sign a form that said that when I took this job. I understand. So, uh, can we count on your support? I have no reason to interfere with any activity within the boundaries of the law. Good, good. I, I think we understand each other. I have another appointment, Mr. Maywood. Can we chat another time? I believe we should. Good. Thank you for the call. You're quite welcome. So, uh, I think that went pretty well. Yeah, well, uh, where's the gun? I want to show it to the camera or the microphone or whatever. Uh, it's in the red bag. Which bag is that? But it's... Wait, wait a minute, are you colorblind? Is that how you got all those tickets? The bags are the same color. No, they're not, Jerry. That one's red, that one's gray. There's no difference. There's a huge difference, Jerry. Sovereign citizens. Hey, this is Luigi, the laughing at me. Come on, finally, this radio. I'll be right back. Slash blog. Hey, welcome back to the final edition radio hour. I'm Tony Hendra. This week in our World of Comedy segment, I'd like to play you a story I told at the Moth about my early years as a comedian. The theme of the Moth that night was Going South, which we took in every sense of the term, as you will hear, and it was recorded in the summer of 2007, back when Bush II was busily keeping us safe from the worst recession in living memory. So let's hear it for Tony Hendra, tonight's curator. Good evening. Um, before I get started, I just want to apologize to all, um, all the Southerners in the room, uh, because at some point during this story, I'm, uh, I'm actually going to attempt to do a Texas accent. Uh, so forgive me if it doesn't ring, you know, ring quite true. Anyway, um, 
The year is 1964. It's April, and um, I am 20 years old. I am half of a comedy team called Tony Hendra and Nick Ullett. We have been in America for about a week, and it's our first time. Now, about two months before this, the Beatles had been on Ed Sullivan and had become an overnight worldwide sensation. And at about roughly the same time, um, a guy called Bob Chartoff, who was a very well-known uh, manager of comedy acts, um, came across us in, in, in a nightclub in London and told us that if we would come to New York, he would make us the Beatles of comedy. <laughs> I've always wanted to come to America. Now I'm going to be a superstar, too. Um, so the very first night we're, we're in New York, Bob whisks us downtown to a place called the Bitter End, where there is a hootenanny. Now, if you don't know what a hootenanny is, it's a kind of Neolithic ancestor of American Idol. <laughs> Except it's in a nightclub and it's for folk singers and comedians. Now, for sort of unexplained reasons, uh, we, our very short set brings the house down. We're a hit. We're hot in New York. In about two hours, we get six months of work right there in the bitter end. We haven't been in this country for 24 hours, and already we're well on our way to becoming the Beatles of comedy. <laughs> Only in America. Um, now, the first booking we have is even more amazing. We're opening for Lenny Bruce, the legendary Lenny Bruce. And uh, he is just our total idol. He is our comedy god. We open for him, and then we sit on the edge of the stage for every set, lapping up every word. And then three weeks into the gig, three, sorry, three days into the gig, um, four NYPD cops walk up on stage in the middle of his act and bust him, as far as we can tell, for being incredibly funny. <laughs> now, this uh, obviously is a disaster for Lenny, but it's also a disaster for us, because um, the, 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 this is big news, and all the press reports dutifully note that opening for Mr. Leonard Bruce was a new comedy team from England called Hendra and Ullett. So overnight, our six months of work disappears. Yesterday, we were on the brink of superstardom. Now, we're on the brink of ruin. Only in America, right? So... Um, Anyway, uh, there is another wrinkle to this, too, which is that, um, and it's a very dangerous wrinkle, it's called the Immigration and Naturalization Service. <laughs> we are aliens, and we uh, are on very temporary visas, and we can be deported for almost anything. Um, having sex out of wedlock, double parking in Midtown, um, you know, even thinking about drugs, and, of course, the, the, the really big crime, which is unemployment. We have got to stay in work and out of trouble. And um, Bob says, uh, if, uh, if, if we don't, it's back to Blighty and forget about the Beatles of comedy. So uh, he also says that we've got to get a job out of town, way out of town. And, um, and as it happens, William Morris, our agency, uh, has just had a booking fall through, and they want to rebook it. Um, and um, he's a little evasive about where this is, but eventually um, we get it out of him. It's in Texas. Now, I must remind you that this is early 1964. So we say, wasn't JFK just assassinated in Texas? Um, in that place called Dallas? Yeah, so what, says Bob. Well, isn't it rather dangerous down there, you know, all this civil rights stuff? 
Bob says, no, only if you're black or Jewish. We're neither of these things. So we say, okay, where exactly is it? Dallas. So we're driving into Dallas from Love Field Airport, an airport named Love, only in Dallas. And um, our cab driver is this uh, kind of cowpoke type who has uh, a very small head and, uh, and a very small Stetson, which is actually too small for his very small head. And according to his license, uh, this character is named Earl. Just Earl, no last name. And we will discover that there are many people in Dallas called Earl. And many of those who are not called Earl are called Duke. And there are also a lot of Leroy's, which we immediately figure out is actually French for the king. There seems to be this kind of suppressed yearning in Dallas for royalty. <laughs> anyway, um, just, to, uh, just, just to sort of make conversation, I, I, I ask Earl, um, what, you know, well, how do people here feel now, you know, about the assassination? And Earl says, well... We're all real sorry it had to happen here. But we're happy as hell that some bitch is dead. Yikes. This, to put it mildly, is a new sentiment to us. But Earl is not finished. He says, you boys are from England, right? Uh, yes, possibly. <laughs> it's, and he leans over the car seat and he says, what y'all do over there about your nigra problem? Holy Christ. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen if we answer this question incorrectly. Uh, so I keep it light. I say, oh, you know, we shoot them, chop them up, uh, grill them and eat them. <laughs> and Earl has no reaction to this. He just nods thoughtfully like that's one solution. <laughs> now, in this, uh, in Dallas, uh, city of fear, um, <laughs> there, there, is a, there is a place called the Adolphus Hotel. And if you're thinking to yourself that Adolphus sounds like a fancy way of spelling Adolf, you're quite right. And in the Adolf Hotel, uh, in the basement, is a very exclusive private club, the most exclusive one in Dallas, uh, which appropriately enough for all the earls and dukes is called the King's Club. And it is in this place that we are going to perform. Um, we are very late, so we change quickly in the hotel and hurry down to the basement to the King's Club where we meet Charlie, the owner. And Charlie is a man of few words. He says um, we ex we, that we're expected to do about 40 minutes and uh, we're on in five. Now we're beginning to get not a little nervous, okay? We're, 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 after all, there's Earl, there's JFK, the background of that. We're in a hotel named after Hitler. And, and worst of all, we have about 15 minutes of material. 20 with laughs. So we're going, to have to, we're going to have to stretch. And as you probably understand, comedy material that is stretched is not necessarily any funnier. So we decide to fill in with Beatles songs. And now, now it's showtime. Uh, Charlie shows us the stage, which is actually kind of cute. Uh, it has a theatrical theme. There's a little apron stage and little footlights and a little proscenium arch and a little drop curtain, which is closed, from beyond which we can hear sounds of happy laughter. And uh, so we part the curtains and look out, and this, this is what we see. The place is packed. There are maybe three or 400 people in the club. 
And uh, on almost every table, there are a couple of very tacky-looking brown paper bags. And on every table, there are three or four extremely large handguns. <laughs> we ripped the curtain shut. We turned to Charlie. What's, what's, what's with the tables? He says, well, uh, Dallas is a dry town. If you bring liquor into the club, it's got to be in a brown paper bag. We say, no, 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 no. The guns. What about the guns? He said, oh, oh, the guns. Well, uh, the liquor's got to be concealed, but uh, if you have a hot firearm, it has to be displayed. <laughs> Christ. Do they ever fire them? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah, said so a couple of months back, there was a Jew fella here told a, told a joke about the Ku Klux Klan. And he points out these bullet holes in the Presidium Arch. Now, what are we going to do? Do we quit? Do we go back to Love Field in New York? We'll never get another job. We'll be deported. On the other hand, we can go on and, in every sense, die. This decision is taken out of our hands because the band is now playing us on. Uh, it's happy days are here again, which is exactly how we feel. And uh, there we are. The eyes of Texas are upon us, and we're going to do our twittering British satire to a heavily armed audience. <laughs> now, we have picked our best piece, our absolutely surefire piece, uh, which involves the Queen. We figure that maybe this will appeal to that suppressed hankering for royalty. Um, and the nature of the piece is, is it's a very sort of British, dry, deadpan kind of piece in which two BBC announcers are commenting on uh, a royal pageant in the River Thames which is centred around the Queen's royal barge. And rather than going into the piece, I will just give you the key line which goes like this. And now, as Her Majesty and Queen Philip sail majestically down the River Thames... The royal barge appears to be very slowly sinking. <laughs> now, this in, in London, this piece kills. It's enormous. In New York, even, it's guaranteed buffer, right? In Dallas, it's the silence of the grave. It's a cemetery out there. The audience is an oil painting, a meadow at dusk. We are a, <laughs> we are a two-man Hiroshima. And suddenly, from out of the deafening silence, comes a voice. Hey, Earl, we got us a couple of queers up here. Another voice. Uh, sure do, Duke. Reckon they sit down to pee? Earl, they're peeing right now. Big laugh. Enormous laugh. The only laugh so far in the show. And it's from an audience member. Now, at this point, um, I am frozen with fear. Totally. But my partner, God bless him, has an amazing amount of presence of mind, and he picks up his guitar, and he says in his best English accent, you know, the funny thing is, we are queer. So why don't we stop pretending we're not and tell you some queer jokes? And after that, we'll sing you some queer songs. Wild applause. This is what they've come to hear. Queer Brits telling queer jokes. So we immediately improvise a show which is 
queer joke, queer song, queer joke, queer song. I won't go into exactly what the queer jokes are, simply to say that they, they were absolutely the worst kind of lowest musical queer jokes. And we tell the first one of these, and the place goes nuts. Tony Lama boots are being stomped on the floor. Bourbon bottles are being pounded on the tables. We're an absolute smash hit. And then Nick continues on this streak of genius. He goes into the most famous song in the world at that moment, which is the Beatles' I Want to Hold Your Hand. (laughs) Except he substitutes the word gland for hand. So here we are singing, I want to hold your gland. I want to hold your gland. And the place goes nuts. Absolutely nuts. They're ripping up the carpets. They just love it. They want encore after encore. And, um, and, and before long, we have all of the oil royalty of Dallas singing along, I want to hold your gland. Yee-hoo. You know, uh, and it turns out as, as, the, as the show went on that actually a lot of early Beatles songs, um, if they're sung suggestively enough uh, by two men, uh, could be described as queer. Um, I want to be your man. This boy wants you back again. And of course, the ever popular, um, you've, you've got, you've really got a hold on me. That one really went down very, very well. Anyway, we came off about an hour later. We were an enormous hit. And um, it was certainly the lowest point of my brief comedy career and easily the most successful. Uh, Charlie held us over for an extra two weeks. And for the next month, we were the toast of Dallas. And so you could say that um, for one brief shining moment, almost 45 years ago in the dear old South, we were the Beatles of comedy. (laughs) Thank you. The final edition Radio Hour will be right back. Tony, we got to come up with a promo. Our listeners don't know enough about all the great stuff the final edition does. Even when we tell them it's all this like blah, 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 dot, 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 URL crap. No one gets what that is on radio. They just tune it out. Well, I have the perfect way to hold their attention while we give them the goods. When I was at the National Lampoon in the 70s, our most famous cover had a cute mutt with a 38 magnum to its head and the legend, buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. Yeah, I remember that, but how does that help us? It was a visual image for a magazine. Meet Freckles. Freckles? Oh, there, there. Good boy. What's the matter then? Also, meet my 38 magnum. Jesus Christ, you have a gun? Don't wave that thing around here. Is that thing loaded? Sure is. Hey, listeners to the final edition Radio Hour on Progressive Voices on TuneIn. If you don't stay tuned to this promo while Jeff gives you all the necessary info about our fabulous website and our fabulous YouTube channel and other fabulous stuff we do, I will shoot this dog. Jesus, man, take the gun out of that defenseless animal's ear. Uh Uh-uh. Give him a good, Jeff. Oh, my God, poor Freckles. Okay, fine. Hey, listeners to the Final Edition Radio Hour, you want more of what we do, go to thefinaledition.com. Our radio airs on this network on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at 8, as well as Wednesday at midnight. We've also got an album, we've got a Twitter feed, we've got a great YouTube channel, Facebook, everything you can want at thefinaledition.com. Now, tell them to tap all that into their iPhones, or leave themselves an audio memo. No, I won't. I told them enough, Tony. I'm calling you. Tell them, tell them, or the dog gets it. I'm cocking the gun right now. Okay. Listeners, uh, please, uh, write this down. Thefinaledition.com. Thefinaledition.com. Go there for everything you want from the final edition or this crazy old British coot is going to plug old freckles. 
Okay, that wasn't so hard, was it? Give me a freckles, you dumb old chum. Hey, hey, get down! Get, get down! Get away from me! Get you crazy! Good uh, job, freckles. Get, get away! Sick them! Oh yeah, this is Jeff Chrysler for the final edition of Radio Hour on Progressive Voices on TuneIn. 8 p.m. Saturday, Sunday, and Monday nights. Midnight on Wednesday. No, Freckles, put that thing down! You don't have opposable thumbs! No! Heather Wilson? Heather Wilson? Yeah, that's me. Sorry for the wait. We're ready to bring you into the emergency room now. Oh, can you skip me? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm really into this Highlights magazine. Ma'am, I realize you've been waiting here for a while. Three hours to get my appendix removed, so? I'm sorry that you waited so long, but they're ready for you now. You don't have to pretend that you love Highlights Magazine. Who's pretending? Ma'am? Whoa, did squirrels really discover syrup? I'm so actively engaged right now. Fine. If you want to be that way, I guess that brings up Andy Richardson. Andy Richardson! Over here. Good news, Mr. Richardson. We may be able to save your nose after all. Cool. Give me like 30 more minutes. I'm knee-deep in this Highlights Magazine word search. Sir, I'm sorry we couldn't see you sooner. It's not my fault third-degree burns aren't the highest priority here. Ah, no worries. Andy, please just put the magazine down so we can treat... Found another one. Alligator. Backwards and diagonal. Stop it! Stop what? Rachel Bernstein! Skip me. No! Sorry, I need to find everything wrong with this picture of a beach picnic. But we can remove that chainsaw from your skull right now! Or, let's see, am I more of a goofus or a gallon? Stop it! I'm sorry, everyone, it's not my fault! I just work here! Please just see the doctors! But we're too busy with our Highlights magazines. No, you're not! Stop saying that! Stop! Hi, uh, is this the ER? Yes! Go right in, see the doctor! Oh, no thanks. I'm just here for the Highlights magazines. No! <laughs> Highlights magazines, available at an emergency waiting room near you. Code blue, room 305. And now a special treat from the archives, a recording of our very first show from 1912, when it was called the Final Edition Wax Cylinder Hour. From the year 1912, please enjoy. Is it going? Should we start? Yes, go ahead, we're recording. Oi, mein Schmeckel! What are you doing, you halfwit? That's my catchphrase! Oi, mein Schmeckel! Every fucking hid comic does that. I'm the first to do it on a cylinder! Now, I'm the Schmeckel guy! Guys, guys, we've only got two minutes per cylinder. Then maybe we should call it the final edition Vax Cylinder Two Minutes! Oi, mein Schmeckel! Will you stop? The other voice, by the way, was Andrew. He's an engineer. Actually, I'm a brakeman, but I understand wax tech. What about the beginning? Should we do it over? It's okay. I can fix it digitally. Oh, what does fix it digitally mean? With my fingers, duh. You guys should introduce yourselves. Of course. I'm Sir Toby Hendra. And I'm Yehuda Berg. You need to shorten your name. Drop the Berg. Or at least the long pause before the Berg. That's to take a breath. Like my schmeckle. 
I used to just use my first name when I was part of a sketch group. We called ourselves Yehuda, Mordecai, Shlomo, and O'Malley. O'Malley? O'Malley's real name was Yitzhak, but we didn't want the group to sound too Jewish. I'm a legend in comedy, Boychik. The whole William Howard Taft is fat thing? Who do you think came up with that? I know funny. Is that why you're wearing blackface in an audio recording session? Shoot off his balls! Yes, sir! And we don't call it blackface. It's Schwarzer in a can. <laughs> mein Schmeckel. This has been a terrible mistake. Hey, this one killed at the Hippodrome. I tap the mic and I say, is this thing on? Oh, that's right. They haven't invented electricity yet. You moron. Electricity has been around for decades. So what? I'm not going to lose my closer. Guys, we're running out of cylinder. Wrap it up. Hey, I got something you can wrap up. Your schmeckle? Hey, you stole that from me! From such humble beginnings grew the final edition Radio Hour we know today. I'm Tony Hendra saying... Blimey, me tallywhacker. Hey! It's Oscar time. The usual roster of second-rate flicks has been rolled out for us to pretend for a few weeks we can't live without. Just like democracy, you choose between rigorously pre-selected people who don't give a shit about us and vice versa. There's the hot dudes making fortunes off greedy Wall Street criminals instead of blowing the whistle on them flick. I'm pissed off. American people are getting screwed by the big banks. And I am getting madder and madder. It's unbelievable. Then this guy walks into my office and says, There's some shady stuff going down. There's the ever-popular lost in space with a lovable male or female bonehead we know from the first frame will get back to a safely flick. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's going to go south on you. This will come as quite a shock to my crewmates. And to NASA. And to the entire world. But I'm still alive. There's yet another corrupt, DEA-driven bloodbath of brown people that would never happen if the U.S. legalized drugs flick. You saw things you shouldn't have seen. Works for the composition. Providing a measure of order that we could control. I'm gonna tell everyone what you did. That would be a major mistake. There's the prick the senile academy voters' consciences about how homophobic they were back in the 70s tranny flick. Exactly what happened last night. There was a moment when I wasn't me. There was a moment when I was just... Lily. But Lily doesn't exist. We were playing a game. Something changed. There's the American frontier of dystopian wilderness allowing monumental feats of stamina and sexually charged intraspecies contact flick. All I had was my boy, and he took him from me, you understand? He's afraid. He knows how far I came to find him. And fucking Mad Max. Again. Okay, Ms. Mad Max, but still. And now, the nominations, please. Here are 2016's top forgettable formulaic flicks which could win the coveted androgynous dildo. The Big Short. How can the banks let this happen? It's fueled by stupidity. But that's not stupidity, that's fraud. 
Tell me the difference between stupid and illegal and I'll have my wife's brother arrested. Jared Vennett, Mike Burry, and Mark Baum celebrate making pornographically huge fortunes out of the misfortune of 14 million homeowners. But uh-oh, here comes Idris Elba, the commandant of Beasts of No Nation. That's one angry black actor. And he's got a machete. Amazing! Look at Ryan's head roll down that bar. The Martian. I know how to save my plot. But we need the Hermes crew. We either have a high chance of killing one or a low chance of killing six. And so against all the odds, Mark Watney makes it back the 250 million miles to Earth. But this can't be happening. The commandant's still angry. And this time he's got two machetes. Jesse needs two to get through that helmet. Bummer. After Mark came all that way, too. The Revenant. I'm afraid to die anymore. I've done it already. We don't know who's this. Another really angry black actor, Adineale Akinure Agbaje from Concussion, which got no nominations. Agbaje is dressed as a bear, but those are real claws. Oh my! He's gonna finish the job the first bear didn't! Remember, Agbaje cut his teeth in Oz. Sicario! Kate Maser, FBI, vows to tell the world just what devious, murderous, corrupt scumbags the DEA, CIA are, but then realizes, uh-oh, round the corner comes one very mad, heavily armed Hispanic actor, Benicio Del Toro wants him some dead gringos. Gee, all Kate's conflicts are over now. Hasta la vista, DEA, CIA scumbags. Which leaves Mad Max. Fucking Miss Mad Max. Does this mean Miss Mad Max wins by default? No, because here comes the entire cast of Chirac and straight out of Compton. And they're even more hopping mad than the rest. Wow, those Aussies are no match for hopping mad gang members in Chicago and LA. So there you have it, folks. For the first time in the history of the Oscars, no white winners. Thanks for listening to the Final Edition Radio Hour. The voices of the Final Edition are performed by Bruce Cherry, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Rob Gordon, Tony Hendra, Jeff Hendrick, Dan Vitale, Jeff Chrysler, Barry Lank, John Marshall, Abby Parker, Rachel Rauch, Steve Rosenfield, James Mount, Rob Miller, Leah Krinsky, Kayla Merrill, Andrew Danish, Leslie Shapira, and Tuchel, and Darby Worley. Credit to our writers at the Final Edition Radio Hour, Bruce Cherry, Jim Dodd, Jim Earl, Rob Gordon, Tony Hindra, Jeff Hendrick, Abby Parker, Jeff Chrysler, John Marshall, Barry Lank, Leslie Shapira, Kurt Weitzman, Leah Krinsky, Kate Knowles, Jeremy Rayburn, and Steve Rosenfield. Jessica Park is also a writer and performer and keeps getting left off the credits, and that's a problem, but here she is. The final edition is produced and directed by Tony Hendra and Jeff Chrysler. West Coast production by Barry Lank. Audio edited and engineered by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. 
The Final Edition Radio Hour is the property of The Final Edition, LLC. Copyright 2015.